Kia ora and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and you're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And in this episode, we're speaking with David Nash, who has produced a movie called A Seat at the Table about the relationship between France and New Zealand in the making of wine. If you'd like to find out more, you can go to www.nzwinestory.co.nz. Uh, but right now, let's go have a chat with David. So, hi, David. Boris. Thanks How are for, we? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. So, thanks for coming along. Great to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, and so um, very interested to hear how you got what you're um, what you've been up to in the last sort of year or so. But so, what's been your what's been your path? How did you get to be doing what you're doing today? Where did you sort of come come about and onto doing this into the wine scene? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I guess the main project I've been working on recently is a uh, feature length documentary on the New Zealand wine scene and you know how we've found our place in the world and and where we are at the moment. Um, it's called A Seat at the Table um, and can't go into too many details about it, but it will be in cinemas next year um, right. throughout the country, which okay. is pretty good. So we're talking 2019, when we, any sort of uh, early, around, mid? Around uh, May time, Around I May, May 2019. But uh, I will keep everyone updated as and yeah. when I can. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that's been kind of the main focus for me for the past probably nearly three years now. Um I'm uh, from an advertising background, so I was um, spending a fair bit of time working and uh, living up in London, spending a fair bit of time in restaurants and uh, clubs and stuff like that, uh, being wined and dined. Um, and I just got hooked on this idea of these great, great wines from great wine regions. And uh, I was hooked. So from then, I kind of always tried to find a way to, you know, weave what I was doing back to back to wine. Um, and that was all sort of pre-recession time. So then coming back to New Zealand, I tried to find a way to kind of merge my, you know, my career and sort of skill set and then my love for wine. And that's kind of what I've been doing over the past sort of three, four years. Um, and then the, yeah, the biggest part of that is this documentary project. So uh, the idea behind it is really to go back to the old world essentially if you're making fine wine France is the benchmark some people might disagree with that but um, you know if you look back 20 30 years the the wines that we were making here you know were called things like Burgundy and Chablis and things like that yep. so the uh, the ambition was definitely to make wines like that yeah and I think a lot of our producers here are now getting to that uh, that that level or those kind of benchmarks. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely a, a reference point, isn't it, yeah, for winemaking around the world? And, and certainly, you know, there are other regions, but yeah. um, France is pretty central to it. Yeah. Um, which is why in the New Zealand Wine Podcast, we did a series on uh, 101 French wine. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So, yeah, so that was the whole idea, essentially, go back to the old world, check in and see how far we've come. And then, I guess, along the way, I uncovered a whole bunch of stories that really connected New Zealand and the old world, particularly France, um, and how we're kind of, you know, sort of slowly coming together to this mutual appreciation and uh, sort of uh, mutual love of making fine wine, but in our in our own ways. Right. Yeah, okay. 
Okay. And so what what was there something that made you think about this documentary in, in particular? What why why a documentary? Why a why a film? Yeah, I was uh, as I said, I was working in advertising and I wanted to step out of that and uh, work more in the wine industry and I actually um, started approaching a few wineries around the country to see if they needed, you know, someone of my skill set to partner with them and so the first client was Kumu River. Um, mm-hmm. So I approached them, and that was a couple of years ago now. We've been working together for a fair while. And uh, not long after we started working together, there was this quite now legendary tasting with all of Kumi River's Chardonnays and a whole bunch of white burgundy. So it was held in London with the likes of Jancis Robinson and Neil Martin and famous wine writers and critics like that. And they lined up all of Kumi River's Chardonnays and all the equivalent white burgundies, so, you know, Premier Cru, Grand Cru, all the rest of it, next to these Kumi River wines, serve them all blind to see what the result might be. And Kumi River came first in every flight. Wow. So mm. that was kind of one of the first moments. I was like, there's something going on here. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. And then on from that, uh, and it was right at the time when, you know, the first Somme film came out and okay. there was films about Burgundy and Bordeaux. And So when, when are we talking? When about uh, this? Was, this was sort of late 2015. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. And yeah, so, so not, not too long ago. No, no, no. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I thought, you know, how hard can that be? Go make a documentary. Very hard. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I kind of came up with the concept and, again, fairly naively thought, oh, there'll be, you know, government departments leaping over themselves to help fund this thing and get it off the ground and how wrong I was. Right. Um, So, yeah, so on from that, I just began to research and research and research all these other stories that were popping up that were sort of untold about the wine industry and these amazing things that we had done or these amazing connections that you know New Zealand has with France in particular uh, right at the top of the the wine world and um, you know so along with the great Kumu story you know there's a really great producer down in Marlborough um, called Chloe Henri and uh, their you know parent company so to speak is from Sancerre you know, who also make great Sauvignon Blanc mm-hmm. um, and have been doing that for 10 generations. You know, they wanted to find the next best place to grow Sauvignon Blanc, so they came to New Zealand. Like, that's just such a great story of, yeah. you know, the best of the old world coming down here. So a few other stories along those lines, and I thought this would just be, you know, perfect to make a, um, you know, bit of a bit of a showcase of our story, but also a great way for wine lovers around the world to get an understanding that New Zealand really is, you know, playing at the top of the top of the wine world. You know, we're we're more than just um, sort of supermarket Sauvignon Blanc, mm. which is probably the the um, predominant view of New Zealand around the world. Yeah, um, and that was definitely my impression during my time up in London. You didn't really see many of the great. New Zealand wines and, and top restaurants and, and things like that. So, so yeah, so that was really the, the drive behind it. And um, it's really kind of taken on a life of its own from there. So w- when, did you start, when did you start with the project proper? Start filming. Mm. So in 2017, so we had about a year of um, essentially uh, writing up the, yep. you know, the outline and yep. creating a bit of a treatment pitching it to anyone who would listen to us in terms of trying to get some funding um, 
and turned out that everyone loved the idea. Everyone thought it was a good idea. Everyone thought that someone else should be paying for it. And all those people that you talk to who should be paying for it, they thought someone else. So, so it got to a point where um, myself and uh, the guy who I partnered with on the project, a guy, Simon Mark Brown, who has done uh, a couple of films in the past. Um, so leveraging his experience, we planned to shoot um, through France. So in mid-2017. We flew to Paris and set off for about three and a half weeks around, uh, started in Champagne, worked our way through Burgundy, Chablis, uh, Sancerre, down through the Rhone Valley, over to Bordeaux, then back up through the Loire Valley, um, which was just the most awesome experience. Yeah, yeah, and because, yeah. you know, we had presented, um, you know, this idea about checking back in with the old world and, you know, sort of how France had sort of exported its culture you know, of fine wine to New Zealand and, mm -hmm. and how that had come about. Um, all the producers that we saw in France were just so embracing of the idea, so happy to have us and, and talk about how they see, you know, the the, the uh, dynamic of the new world and old world changing and, and the influences they're getting. And, and, you know, I was just blown away at their responses of where they actually see New Zealand in, in the world of fine wine, it was um, it was quite impressive. Yeah, I was expecting something a little bit different, but right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And so, and then then you came back here and, and did a whole lot of shooting around the around yep. the country. It must be pretty difficult. Is it one documentary that you're yes. putting together? So yeah. what ninety odd 90 minutes? minutes. Yeah. It's, it must be pretty <laughs> hard to f then you know cut. Yeah. Um, what you're going to include and what's not to be, what's not going to be included. Because I mean, you must have so many stories and so many things you absolutely think that's really worth telling. But you, you have to tell something properly, right? Yeah. You can't just have a whole lot of absolutely. But so yeah, so we had these really core stories that we knew were going to be kind of the structure um, of the of the documentary. So that then um, you know aligned with the producers that we went and saw. Um, so yeah, so uh, in late. 2017 and the start of 2018, we went right the way around New Zealand from Northland, right the way down to Central Otago, meeting with key producers all along the way to to help tell that story and and probably the you know the uh, coolest part um, of the process was that we actually said to most of these producers that we're going to be featured in the New Zealand side of things that you know this is the vision and this is what we want to do but you know it's all self funded we're more than happy to, you know, give you a bit of footage and, you know, cut you down some edits. And, and most of those producers who are featured all, you know, invested in, in one way, shape or form into the project itself, which right. enabled us to go and do the New Zealand uh, leg of it, which right. was really great. Yeah, yeah. Just to see the yeah. community all kind of pull together behind yeah. an idea that people yeah. believe in. that To, to be able to put, tell a, a larger story other than yeah. just, just themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that yeah. was really great. Cool. And, then, and then they obviously got some um, benefit out of um, some footage and yeah, absolutely. things you were able to pull yeah. together for them. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So no, so that was, um, so yeah, so, you know, that was probably about a year um, in the shooting production phase. And then after that, um, I had to painstakingly watch all the interviews and pick out all the best bits. And so, um, that was probably about a three-month process of, you know, at least a couple of hours every day of just watching footage, grabbing the best bits. Mm. And then again, when we got into the editing process, it was another couple months of actually, you know, we cut it down to like a four-hour edit. When mm. We got it down to a 
you know one and a half hours and then it was then yeah. pulling stuff out and putting stuff in and so it is it's been a uh, massive learning curve but it's a huge 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 process so a big commitment for you so have you been has this been full-time project no, for not you? at all no? so yeah i've been uh you know having to work full-time as yeah. well yeah um thankfully you know i have my own consultancy so thankfully a lot of my clients are in the wine industry and they're all aware of uh, the work I'm doing so yeah. our understanding but no most of uh, most of the work I've done has been nights and weekends and then have yeah just essentially taken some time off during the week to do the editing process and, and stuff like that so yeah. so it has I mean the, uh, the the personal investment's been pretty huge mm. and luckily I've got a very understanding wife yes. who uh, yeah. <laughs> believes in the project and um, let me have three weeks in France when we had a fairly newborn child so right. yeah, okay yeah, yeah that's a big ask mm. <laughs> um, and so whereabouts are you up to now? What um, what stage? Are you so at? we've um, completed the edit, which mm-hmm. is fantastic, um, and we've applied for a bit of funding from the film commission. They have a post production fund, yep. many different funds, but we're eligible to apply for the post production fund. So we've applied for that, and hopefully we'll hear about it um, this year. Uh, but we've got a way to get us to the finish line. Essentially, we want to, you know, give it the uh, the Rolls-Royce finish um, from a, you know, musical score and a grading point of view and getting it all ready for, for cinema. Um, and if we don't get the funding, then we've got ways and means that we'll, um, we'll, we'll get there. We've yeah. got, we've got this far. So. You'll get it across the line. That's right. That's yeah. right. There's always a way. Yeah. Yeah. And so any highlights for you, so particularly oh, yeah, things was... that have stuck out for you, maybe in France? So many. I think probably with the... The most um, unplanned part of our shooting in France, we were in Burgundy and we'd just spent the morning at a cooperage called Francois Fair and they make barrels for, you know, Kimi River and Dog Point and all these great producers. Uh, And Max, the guy who uh, we were meeting with there, is the loveliest guy. Uh, And we had tried for months and months and months beforehand to try and get a contact or an introduction into domain uh, into Romani Conti which you know is kind of the hollowed ground for Pinot Noir and no one really was that keen on introducing us and I understand why you know you've got a slightly rogue film crew going through France not really sure what they're doing yeah and uh, we just got along really well with Max that day and um, I just said to him look you know we're really keen to um, go to Romani Conti and and cover the relationship between um, their you know Pinot Noir production and and, and us here, which is a really, really great story, legend, whatever you want to call it, uh, where some vines were, some cuttings or uh, clones were taken from Romani Conti and eventually ended up in Martinborough with Clive Payton from Artarangi um, in a slightly uh, theft-type manner, I guess you could say. Um, so, yeah, so we wanted to go and obviously capture the, the French side of that story. And um, so Max said, oh, look, I can't introduce you because culturally that's not how it works around here. But here's their number. Give them a call. So I gave them a call and just explained what we wanted to do. And uh, they said, yeah, absolutely, come on down. Mm. We've, uh, we'll be happy to have you. And we went in and got to go into, you know, the winery and have a look around. And uh, they were happy for us to film in the vineyards and things like that so that was probably the most unplanned aspect of our shooting in France which was really really cool yeah yeah nice and then uh, yeah the uh, hospitality 
in both countries, but you know, in particular in New Zealand, just everywhere we went, you know, people were like, you know, opening great bottles of wine and you know, happy to tell their story. And it yeah. really, you know, it, it wasn't a chore <laughs> at no, all. No, no, yeah. no, no. That's right. Um, oh, I know that's um, that that's um, that's really exciting. I know. I think often those moments that are unplanned are the ones yeah. that um, absolutely really really jump out for you. And so, is that uh, is that in the documentary, yes, that, that story. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. we um, go right back to the source of um, you know how these Pinot Noir cuttings came into the country, and um, you're probably familiar with the story, but it's called the Abel clone. So a lot of great New Zealand Pinot Noirs. There's the Abel clone is the plant that'll produce some great fruit mm-hmm. along with many others, but uh, that's named after a guy Malcolm Abel, who was a winemaker in Kumu, funnily enough, and he was also a customs officer. And so, uh-huh. <clears throat> just so happens this guy comes in from France, supposedly was a rugby player. Um, he had gone to Romani Conti, stolen some vines, stuck them in his red band gumboots, smuggled them back into the country. It just so happened that Malcolm Abel was on customs duty that night as this guy came through. And um, he said, oh, look, don't don't throw them out. This is, you know, th- this is where they're from. They're amazing vines. They're going to be great. And so Malcolm, you know, uh, took him at his word and uh, had the vines, you know, put through the treatment facility here in New Zealand and then planted them himself. Right. And uh, after a, a report was done down in um, Martinborough about, you know, the grape growing potential of Pinot Noir there, Clive Payton got in touch uh, with this guy and said, hey, you've got some good vines. And uh, kind of the rest is history. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when, when about are we talking for this? Ah, uh, well, this would have been in the 70s, mm-hmm. this would have happened. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Pinot Noir was not even, no one was even producing anything like that in New Zealand. So it was right. kind of unwanted. Um, yeah. So if it wasn't for this um, guy, Malcolm Abel, who sadly had passed away long before, you know, our Pinot um, sort of production really got underway and we started producing some really great fruit. Um, <clears throat> yeah, if, if he hadn't sort of had the forethought and, been this you know winemaker come customs officer that night yeah. it could have all been yeah you know, a little bit different yeah no that's a great story mm. that's a great story and how about here in New Zealand any any anything that sort of sticks out in your in your memory from your from your trip around I suppose there's lots of lots of different things but anything that's uh... yeah there is lots of stuff I think in New Zealand is where the story began to change quite a bit. You know, I think in my head when we went away and we shot a lot of the stuff um, in France, it was really about uh, checking in with the old world to see how far we've come. And then when we went around New Zealand, you know, just everyone that we talked to just had these great stories and great connections and had all spent time in France, learning their craft, and it all brought back kind of the best of what they were doing, but doing it in a slightly different way, which is such a you know Kiwi thing to do. Mm. But I think just the the story did change into one of kind of mutual admiration, really, which um, it comes across really, really well. Uh, and I think the future of New Zealand wine was so crystal clear from the producers here once we got around and talked to everyone there was just such an overwhelming uh, consensus about where we need to go and what we need to focus on which I think the industry here um, from a you know uh, from an industry body point of view is slightly struggling to to come to grips with at the moment so that was really great to have all these great producers sort of you know, singing from the same song sheet. Right, okay. So they're, they're, they're quite clear on 
um, where they think the industry is heading and, yeah, and where where the strengths can be and yeah. where the opportunities are. Absolutely, uh, and that came across really, really well, and mm. so it gives us a really good, um, you know, definitive conclusion to the story of, you know, we've kind of got to that point we're producing some great stuff but this is sort of the plan for the future and right. this is what New Zealand will be known for can you tell us some of what that is or <laughs> do we have to wait I mean that's it? yeah it's not rocket science but it definitely is um, you know innovating in Marlborough and finding ways to you know you've got producers like Grey Wacky and Dog Point doing some amazing things with Sauvignon Blanc, not just the traditional, um, you know, uh, one that we're kind of always used to, but, mm-hmm. you know, doing interesting things with barrel ferments and indigenous yeasts and things like that. But, uh, you know, one of the overwhelming outcomes was Chardonnay and our ability to produce at the very, very top level. Um, and even from, um, Jancis Robinson, you know, it was the same sort of feedback uh, from her as well that, you know, we need to be focusing on these more prestigious, great varieties that sure, uh, you know, probably a little bit more of a uh, trickier conversation with the CFO of some of the bigger wine companies. But, um, you know, that's where in 20, 30, 40 years time, that's where, you know, the world will be moving to and that's what they'll be wanting. Right. Um, and Sauvignon Blanc will, will be Sauvignon Blanc and there'll probably always be a market for that. But, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of hit peak Sauvignon Blanc. It's about, it's about innovating and finding out what's next. Yeah. Yeah. And that's certainly something that um, we've been hearing from, from producers, particularly around central Otago was when we were asking them what they are going to get into because, yeah, as you know, Chardonnay fell out of favour really for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but certainly it seems to be where everyone the is ABC looking now. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, and already people are producing some really great, oh, yeah. really great stuff. But I think, uh, you know, you go through any region in New Zealand and you can pick two or three great Chardonnays that are coming out of all of those regions. And um, we're really just, you know, we, we cracked the formula with, with Pinot Noir and we've found the great sites for that. And I think, you know, definitely some stuff that's going on in, in North Canterbury and, and things like that, they're finding some amazing spots to produce, you know, what is kind of, you know, Grand Cru equivalent Chardonnay mm. that, uh, you know, once once we can creep the prices up and once we can get more events like what happened to Kumi River mm. going on around the world with these big influences and, and writers and critics, um, you know, it's only, it's only a matter of time. Mm. Yeah. And be interested in, I mean, I don't know the answer to this um, question. You might not either, but whether there's internationally, a, um, you know, maybe arguably a growing sophistication of the palate, you know, yeah. internationally that's going, okay, we, this, you know, we're moving off um, to things that are a bit more obvious to, yeah. to you know, experiencing wines that have a bit more yeah. um, to find in them. Well, I think, you know, across every food uh, category, people are now, you know, it's not just enough to go and buy something off the shelf and expect it to be good. You know, people want to know the story. They want to go online and read about the family who made it. They want to, you know, they want to know that they've been doing it for generations. They want to, you know, know what exactly has gone into it and how you've done it and who the pick the grapes and all those kind of things. I think worldwide there's this massive sort of need for information mm. and the, um, you know, the, the ability for New Zealand to be this, you know, kind of, you know, this mass boutique producer of many, many small producers on a worldwide scale doing really, really, you know, top end wine. You know, I think that's a huge opportunity internationally for us for us going forward. Hmm. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So some um, exciting potential there. Mm. And um, what can you say? What was the um, again, without giving too much away to the documentary, what, <laughs> yeah. what was the? You, 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 I think you've mentioned the word respect. So there was respect there um, in France for mm. what wineries are doing back back here. Um, was, was there anything else that came through about um, so you know, their sort of opinion of of New Zealand, yeah. or or even their opinion of what the opportunity was for yeah. New Zealand? So it was quite funny. We, um, you know, we sit down like this and do a uh, an interview but just on camera um for you know 20 minutes half an hour with these producers and we'd talk about we'd talk about you know their their place and you know their their spot wherever they were and and how they do things and then you know their kind of view on the new world and particularly new zealand and how they see that coming along and then we'd always ask right at the end you know have you tried have you ever tried new zealand wine and i think the answer from 99.9 percent of them was no <laughs> so they sort of had all these views and these thoughts and these opinions oh, about right? New Zealand yeah. Yeah. and uh, they'd never tasted the wine. Mm. So we, with the help of Air New Zealand, we took 75 bottles of New Zealand wine with us around France, which was another nightmare. Um, French customs didn't really understand the reason why we wanted to bring wine into France. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so we bought, um, you know, Everyone who's featured from the New Zealand side, we took their wine to France and we actually, you know, the the idea there was actually to give them as a gift to say, look, thanks so much for having us. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, most of the time they said, oh, well, why don't we open them up and try them? So mm. we got, um, you know, a lot of that on camera as well. Oh, good. And nice. the, the, the thoughts in their headspace about where New Zealand was and what we could do completely changed after they had a glass of wine and multiple bottles were, you know were open so we were sitting with a pinot producer and we were opening um you know pinot from three different parts of central otago and they're all going ah oh, you're actually understanding this different terroir and all these different spots and you know so they didn't really kind of get to that level before they've actually tried the wine and mm -hmm. i think that's the you know the biggest challenge with a lot of these producers internationally is just getting a a glass of wine in front of them to say, yeah. what do you think about this? Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it's, you, you can't find a lot of uh, a lot of New Zealand wine in France, let alone no. any other country. No. And, <laughs> you know, it's not like, um, you know, we're, we're not of the size to have large volumes. And exactly. It's a, and it's a, um, it's a um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a busy market now yeah. as well, isn't there? There's a Absolutely. lot going on. Um, there's a lot of new things to try. There's yeah. a lot of people, you know, putting their hand up and, yeah. and trying to get um, attention. So, mm. yeah, it's um, it's not like it's uh, easy to get in front of yeah. in front of people. And but no, so that was quite cool being able to take some wine for these um, for these uh, people to taste. Mm. And uh, yeah, just their response was um, was just outstanding. Um, particularly um, the Chardonnays and the Syrahs. We took a bunch of Syrahs from um, the Hawke's Bay and uh, opened them with two really great winemakers um, from. Uh, Northern uh, Northern Rhone and Hermitage, uh, and both of them were really, really impressed. Um, and one of them even commented that tasting some of these, if they were put in a blind lineup, I wouldn't be able to distinguish these between, um, you know, between uh, you know a great Rhone producer or New Zealand. Mm. I, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Mm. Mm. So it shows that. You know, we are producing some wine that's you know got the sophistication, and the depth, and the the layers required to, to to match up with some of those old world greats. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. And 
what's next for you? Have you got uh, have you got <laughs> yeah. another project already lined up? Is There's there a few other that, ideas yeah, bubbling away. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm having – it's great. We've now got the project into a – you know, pretty finished state. It's opened up a fair bit of more of my time. And, uh, I mean, since I started on this project, I've had two kids and, you know, like, <laughs> the, you know so it's good to give that so you've, some... you've already got other projects. Yeah, going on. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My time is at capacity. But, no, it's, it's great to be able to start working with a few other producers around the country. So, yeah, so I've been working with Kumi River for a long time now on, you know, more the international marketing and, and growing, um, you know, really high-value direct customer um, basis for them and I'm doing a similar sort of uh, work uh, with Akitu I think you've had Andrew mm-hmm. on the podcast yes, yep. um, down in Wanaka uh, lovely couple making um, beautiful cider able cider down in uh, Nelson a um, little bit of work for Tony Bish in Hawke's Bay mm-hmm. and a few other producers um, I'm going to start up with in, in Marlborough and Central Otago next year so do really really focused um, you know creative consultancy I call it uh, which is really going in and finding a way to to tell their story in a way that they're not just you know another Chardonnay producer or another Central Otago producer finding a way to extract that story and then tell that you know mostly through online um, you know forms which is the kind of most cost effective way to get in front of in videos, using a lot of video, a lot of video, yeah. yep, yeah, um, and and telling those stories and and building them, you know, really direct international high value databases that they can, you know, they can use for sales ongoing. So, mm. I think that, uh, in my view, is you know a, a really great opportunity for you know on the on the business side of things for wineries around the country, especially at the boutique scale where it is a limited amount and there's only a certain amount of Valley wine produced every year and even less produced from you know Gibson Valley from Waitaki from these sort of areas and I think uh, one lesson that I did learn in France going around is the you know, confidence they've got to, you know, stick with this incredibly small production, you know, lots and just have a direct customer base that buy all that wine and, you know, it's all sold before they've even had to put it in the bottle. And I think if, uh, you know, we play our cards right, we can do a lot of the same sort of things here in New Zealand with, because we are small, we are limited and it needs to be about, you know, high value direct mm. sales for a lot of the wineries around the country, I think, to to take that next step forward. So so that's a fair bit of work. But, you know, there are a few other ideas I've got bubbling away. Good, good. <laughs> hopefully we'll one day see the light of day. Yeah. And then um, another, another thing that came completely out of left field, really, um, I was, obviously we'd done some interviews uh, with Jancis Robinson um, up in London. <clears throat> and I was keeping an eye on uh, on things going on. And I saw that she was uh, working on a new glassware range with this fancy designer, Richard Brendan. Um, so I, I approached them and said, look, you know, I would uh, you know, love to help you bring them into New Zealand. You know, obviously, Jancis' brand here is fantastic in terms of her credibility and, um, you know, kind of no one knows more than she knows about wine. So for her to spend a bit of time designing, you know, a range of glassware, um, I thought would be pretty appealing. So... So yeah, I've uh, got the exclusive um, on that to bring that into the country, and right. I'm currently working with Glen Gary, so we've got it nationwide through their stores, yeah. which is which is great. Yeah, and we just um, we're we're very lucky because the listeners won't obviously be able to see this, but um, we've got a beautiful um, 2007 uh, Kumi River Chardonnay that we're we're drinking out of the 
Jancis Robinson, um, Richard Brendan, isn't it? Yeah, um, glasses, glass. which is um, and because I'm a sucker, which is quite for a, something. A good story. The idea behind these is that Jancis has designed this one glass to suit every wine style, and I think. You know, people are living in smaller houses and they want less stuff and all that sort of thing. So yeah. I think culturally, it's, it's the right time for a bit of disruption in uh, in the multi-varietal wine glass market. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, why not? And they're um, you know, ham, ham, ham blown up. Yeah, they're all hand blown. Um, hand really blown. lovely, they're incredible. To, really um, lovely to handle. They are. They're pretty amazing. Mm. Um, and I've kind of been road testing them at home for a while yeah, now, yeah. and they go brilliantly in the dishwasher and all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty. Um, it is a pretty. Impressive product. Yeah. So, yeah, although no. I'm probably a bit biased now, but no, they, before they you know, I was involved in the distribution of them. They, um, I was using them and was really, really impressed. Mm. So, well, I must say the Chardonnay is tasting quite good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would taste good in just about <laughs> yeah, anything. It would. It um, would. Um, oh, that's good. Well, we, we look forward to having you back in again sometime when you're uh, so talking much. about your next your next uh, project. But before we finish, um, so we the question we finish on is um, if you could have any have any wine. Uh, with anyone, um, either living or dead, and anywhere, um, who would that be? Have you thought about that? I did have a little bit of a think about it. Yeah, because it does need some thought. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit hard one to <laughs> come up with. But very quickly, I thought a very fitting bottle of wine, more probably, would be a magnum of Winston Churchill, Paul Roger, with Winston Churchill mm-hmm. at... 67 Paul Mall in London right. would just be a pretty epic event, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> so I thought that'd be pretty special. Yeah, would. You'd probably get some good quotes out of it. Yeah, I saw a quote the other day, someone on a wine related thing. It was from Winston Churchill. And um, he said, I find a, a Magnum is the perfect size bottle for two gentlemen, especially when one of them's not drinking. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Well, that's, a, that's a very good quote to, uh, to finish on. Well, thanks, David. Thanks for coming in. It's been great having you here. And um, yeah, we look forward to um, we look forward to the film coming out. And obviously, um, when some people listen to this podcast uh, in a little while's time, it will already be out. So make sure you get along and, and see it. A seat at the table. And what about um, how can people uh, follow you or um, if they listen to this sort of beforehand and know what's coming up? What's are you on yep. Instagram? Or? Uh, yeah, so you can follow us on yeah Instagram or Facebook. We're just at. NZ Wine Story um, and then yeah nzwinestory.co.nz you can sign up um, and we'll fire out updates to, to everyone on there once we know where it's going to be shown and what's going on and for I guess international listeners once we've done a bit of a cinema circuit here then we'll be going you know on an on demand platform mm-hmm. um, right. internationally after that which would be great yeah fantastic mm-hmm. cool oh well, thanks again and we're well done on the initiative that's fantastic <laughs> cool alright Bye for now. You've been listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast and we've been speaking with David Nash, who's the producer of a documentary called A Seat at the Table. If you'd like to find out more, you can go to nzwinestory.co.nz and also be sure to check out some of the other New Zealand Wine Podcasts where we talk with others in the New Zealand wine industry. And you can go to podcast.nz to have a listen to some of the other podcasts in the podcast.nz stable, uh, like the NZ Tech Podcast and the Business Podcast and the Fearless Kitchen. So thanks for listening in. We've uh, appreciated your company and we look forward to you joining us again next time. Hey, corner mai. Bye for now. <laughs>